Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Today, you're listening to Pastor Stephen as he looks at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, and it's titled, The Significance of the Lord's Supper. Please take your Bibles, if you have them this morning, and open to... No, Hebrews. Hebrews. We're going to take a break out of Romans. And uh, you would think that you guys would have figured me out by now, but Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at three verses, 14, 15, and 16. We've already said, you guys can look down front, you can see that today is the day that we will be observing and celebrating the Lord's Supper. And so I thought it would be pretty applicable for us to come and talk about why are we doing this. And so, when I grew up, I grew up in church. I can never remember a time that I was not in church. My whole life, in church. And so I had this idea in my mind of what a Christian is supposed to look like. Uh, A Christian is, uh, you know, middle class, and uh, they really don't have to deal with a lot of suffering or a lot of pain. And, you know, it's kind of like this cookie-cutter person wearing the khaki pants and just kind of, you know, everybody knows they're of one particular political persuasion. And that's, that's what a Christian, in my mind, was. And then all of a sudden, guess what? I started meeting folks who had lived really, really horrific lives of suffering and pain. I met folks who had never grown up in church like I grew up, and the reality is they never even darkened the door of the church until they came to know Jesus. Now, I stopped to say, boy, it made things a lot easier for me had that been the case. I've had folks that have thought in their mind that, you know, where I've been, what I've done, that there's no way that Christ would love me. I've also known some folks, and we are all this way, and I'm especially this way, who think that I'm going to fix myself up so that when I fix myself up, then indeed I'll be worthy to come to Jesus. I like fixing things. The other day, the other day, I was sitting at a red light, and, uh, and I'll be honest, before God and before all the patrolmen that are here in our in our church, I broke the law, I'm sitting at a red light, I get a text from my wife, and I pick up my phone, and I'm reading the text. I don't remember what it said. I don't really don't remember, maybe I love you, you're so good looking. I don't remember exactly, exactly, I, I think it might have said, hey, when are you coming home for something? I can't remember, something along those lines, right? And all of a sudden, the light turned green, and the car behind me blew the horn, and there's this there's this young woman in the car, and she blew the horn, and, and, and I was oblivious to the fact the light had turned green. And, and so I looked up, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I hate being that guy. Who wants to be that guy? And I raised my hand, and I'm like this. I'm like, thanks, thanks. And I look at the review mirror, and she told me that I was number one, but not in the better way. <laughs> and I thought, she thought I flipped her off. 
She thought I flipped her off. There is only one truck of my color riding around town with an orange tee on front. She thought I flipped her off. And so then I'm sitting there in the rearview mirror, in the side mirror, and I'm like, I didn't flip you off. I didn't flip you off. I didn't flip you off. And then I slowed down. I thought, you know what? I'll let her get around me to the side of me. When she gets to the side of me, I roll down the window, and I will scream at her. I did not flip you off. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit of God just impressed upon me, don't do that. It's not going to go well. Leave that alone. And so I drove all the way out to Southport. <laughs> and, 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 and if you're watching this morning by television, which camera are we on right here? I didn't flip you off. I didn't. I was just saying thank you. But it drove me crazy because I'm like, i got to fix it. And what happens is that even flows over into our own lives. And so this whole ideology of God saying, hey, that's okay, I know how messed up you are, come on anyway. Well, no, 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 no God, I've got to fix it. I've got to fix myself. Remember a couple of weeks ago we said that uh, the sin that keeps so many people out of heaven is the sin of pride. And I know these people that I wouldn't consider to be folks who would be or would fit my description of what a Christian is supposed to be. But I'm telling you, lives of struggle, lives of pain, lives of rejection, and they came to know Christ. And then there are these people that I met who never struggled at all, right? Just fluttered through life, completely unscathed. And you're like, oh my goodness, can somebody live a life that good? And yet they came to know Jesus. And I've met folks that we wouldn't consider very smart, but they love Jesus very much. And then I've met folks who have PhDs in fields that I cannot even pronounce, and they love Jesus very much. And then there are wealthy people, and then there are poor people, and then there were people who grew up in the church, and they, and they didn't stray away. And then there were people who stepped into the church, and they had their lives changed forever. And then there were people who grew up in church their whole life, but they never met Jesus. And then one day they did. And there seems to be no rhyme or no reason to any of it, with the exception of... Jesus saves. He saves. It is him. That is the line. Some of the stories that I've heard, I had a lady tell me not too long ago, she said, I grew up in a very abusive home. And you know what? I've spent my entire adult life feeling like I was dirty, feeling like that I was impossible for someone to love. And then she said these two words, but Jesus. That's the line. But Jesus. Jesus. It keeps being the line. Because the irony of all these stories is you and I, we did not do any of it. We're not here today taking a meal celebrating what we've done. We are not deserving of a pat on our backs. No, we're here to say, look what God has done. Look at what God is doing among us you see, here's what I think. I think everyone that's living in this moment, whether it be late at night when you're trying to go to sleep or whether it be when you're driving down the road in your car by yourself, after some monumental mess up, what will happen is we will finally be able to pull the layers back and we'll come face to face with who we really are. And let's just be honest, I've never met anyone who came face to face to who they really are and liked it. And in that moment, you come face to face with the reality 
of what is going on inside of you. And when you do that, there are a few things that may happen. Some people have this tendency to believe, well, if this is who I am, and if there is a God, then we must truly be opposed to each other because I'm such a mess up and he is such a God. So there is no way that I could ever come to God because God probably just wants to destroy me because of the things that I've been and the things that I've done. And their reaction to finally seeing who they really are is not one of, oh, I need a God. But instead, it tends to be, oh, if there is a God, then I better run from him because the things that I've done, surely they've upset him. And he's up in heaven waiting to throw down some lightning to finally eliminate me all. And then you got this other way. That people wake up and here's what they say. You know, I'm a really good church kid. But I don't know Jesus. And then you have folks who sit there and, 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 they, and, they, and they wake up in the middle of their sins and instead of running from God, what do they do? They run to Him. And in that moment, in that moment where everything feels wrong in your soul, right? Everything feels wrong in your heart. Instead of going, God must be against me. Instead, here's what they said. No, I'll run towards him. Because I've tried everything I know how to try to do. And I've made a royal mess of everything. If there's any hope for me, it must be in Jesus. He's the only hope that I have. Because, guys, listen to me. When it comes to the question of justice, the question of justice has to be answered, okay? That here is a God. God is just and God is perfect. And if God is just, He is. If He is good, He is. If God is right, He is. How in the world can He just forgive sins? We would never put up with that from anybody else. I mean, what if there were a judge in Tallahassee and the judge has before him a man that is guilty? He has been convicted guilt. They know there's no question at all. He indeed is guilty. And here's what the guy says, but I'm sorry. And the judge says, oh, you're sorry? Okay, you're sorry. Then you're clean. There'll be no judgment. You're free to go. We wouldn't put up with it. Something like that will get you killed in Florida. I mean, they may do stuff like that out west and up north, but not in Florida. But yet, that's exactly what is happening here. How is it possible? Look at the text. Look at this great text in verse 14 of Hebrews 4. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now, who is we? We there is the body of Christ. We there is anybody who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to make this very clear this morning. This is not just a generic statement that applies to everyone who has ever, have li who, who has ever had life, but yet this is a available to anyone who has life. Okay, so notice what he says there. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Thank the Lord. Why? Because I'm weak. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of 
need. So what is he talking about here? The high priest was a man that was appointed by God. And once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, which was in the Jewish temple. And only once a year would he go in, he would be carrying a bowl that was full of blood from a lamb. And so he would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would take this bowl of blood, he would go in the pitch dark, he would find the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, we don't have time to really dig into it today. I would just say this, when you go home tonight, either on Hulu or Netflix, watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> That'll give you the best description, right? So on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And so he would come in there with this bowl of blood from a lamb and he would take the blood and he would sprinkle this blood and pour this blood over the mercy seat and the blood would cover the ark and then the high priest would walk out of the room and hear me guys, this was a picture in the Old Testament of what God would eventually do for us through Jesus dying on the cross. I love the fact that the Bible over and over again says the gospel. If you love Jesus, then come on Wednesdays. I know, I know some of you are like, man, I, just can't, I can only take so much. So much rich worship once a week is enough for me. Well, God bless you. On Wednesday nights, we've been walking through Genesis. Last Wednesday night, we dealt with Genesis 10. When you look at Genesis 10, you're like, there's no reason to deal with Genesis 10. Genesis 10 is nothing but a list of descendants. It's genealogy. There's nothing to glean from that. And then I'm like, you know what? All Scripture, all Scripture is profitable for us. So let's dig into Genesis 10. And I had to pronounce 70 names. 70 names. And when it came to the end, there was only one name that was important, and that was the name of Jesus Christ. Because all throughout the Word of God, that's what we see over and over and over again. So here's this idea that there could be blood that covered our mistakes, and please don't miss this, even though you're guilty and I am guilty, although you're deserving of death and I'm deserving of death and destruction, there could be this innocent blood, is what he is saying, that serves as a covering for our sins. And so it's a picture that is painted for you and I so that we can understand what is happening through Jesus, what happened on the cross of Jesus, our great high priest who sympathizes, he says, with our weaknesses and we are weak. And he says, I know you're weak. I know you're messed up. I know where you were last night. I know your background. I know your family tree. I know what you think. I know what you've said and you know what come on anyway I'll heal you and we can't forget all that has happened and all that we have seen and all that we will see is due to the cross of Jesus Christ because what happens is guys if we forget if we forget what Christ did on the cross if we forget what his blood being poured out accomplished on our behalf all of a sudden all of a sudden we will get extremely arrogant if we forget how dark it was or how 
the past was this dark reality. We forget about the cross. Friends, the scripture says this, that on the night before he was crucified, he picked up a loaf of bread. Hear me, it was not a special loaf of bread. It was just a loaf of bread. The only thing that made that bread special is Jesus touched it. And there's nothing unique or special about you and I. If anything, if we really get to know ourselves, we would sit there and say, oh my goodness, I'm the most unlikely of candidates to be even called special. And that is true until Jesus touches. And he broke the bread and he prayed. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And in essence, here's what Jesus was saying in the Last Supper. He was saying, what's about to happen? The breaking of my body, the breaking of my body is going to bring about forgiveness. And then all of a sudden, it's going to create this community, right? It's going to create this group of people. It's going to create this harmony of mankind known as the church, where you can have black and white and Hispanic and Asian, rich and poor, smart and not quite as smart, pretty and maybe not quite as pretty come all together in one family in one group and he says welcome to my house the broken body right the broken body shed for you it is a symbol of the new covenant of Christ and then he took this cup of wine and he blessed it and he poured it out. And listen to me, it wasn't any special wine, it was plain old ordinary wine. Now I don't know a lot about wine, some of you may do. I don't know if it was in a bottle or in a box, I don't really know. I'm just saying nothing special, it was just regular old wine. And he says, I need you to drink this in remembrance of me. Because again, if you forget that this is about my shed blood, if you forget that this is all about my broken body, you're going to become proud, you're going to become ineffective, and for lack of a better term, you're going to become an arrogant wart on humanity. So don't forget. Don't forget. It is all about Jesus. Let me explain it this way. And this is the way that I was taught, and this is the way that I've explained it to you before, but I can't think of a better way to explain what this meal represents. I wear this wedding ring, this wedding band. Um, it is, uh, I think it's titanium is what it is. Is that, is that right, honey, titanium? Sure. Let's just go with that. Um, sounds cool. This was not the original wedding band that I put on when we got married. It was a golden wedding band, yellow gold, and I think a little bit of white gold, and real pretty, and all that kind of stuff. And the problem is, I don't know if you guys know this, but you get married, and when you're married, and you're just living on love, all of a sudden, you gain a little bit of weight. And it got real tight, and I'm like, I want to get another one. And I saw some people wearing the black wedding band, and I'm like, oh, that's a cool thing. I want to wear that. And so my wife bought me this. It's not, I mean, it's just a ring, right? I don't know. She, I think she bought it off the internet somewhere. And it's nothing special. It's nothing uh, expensive or glorious. Let's just say that today, before you guys walked into the room, I came in here, I took off my wedding band, and I just chunked it out there somewhere. And one of you walked in and you're like, oh, wow, look, somebody's ring's right here. Now, to you, it's a ring. To me, it's a whole lot more than just a ring. 
And depending on whether you need a ring or not, and it fits your finger, and depending upon your, uh, you know, your ethic makeup and all that kind of stuff, you'll either take it to the desk and say, hey, somebody lost this ring, or you'll keep it for yourself, or you'll sell it on eBay. We didn't pay much for it when we got it. I've had it on this hand now for, I don't know, 15 years. I'm just saying um, it's not worth quite as much as it was when we paid for it. And you find it, and you're like, it's a ring. Well, it is to you, just a ring. But to me, it means so much more. Here's what it means to me. Every time I look down at it, it means that it reminds me of the day that I made a covenant between God and between my wife that with the power and the help of the Holy Spirit of God moving and changing and shaping and sanctifying in my life that I was going to keep a vow that I made to him and to her. And so every time I I hit it up against something and it clangs and makes that noise, it is a reminder, hey, this is more than just a ring. Again, you find in the parking lot, you're like, oh, wow, somebody lost a ring. Should we pick it up or what are we going to do with it? It's just a ring. But to me, listen, every time I take it off before I get in the shower or I have to clean soap out from underneath it or whatever the case might be, it is a reminder, listen to me, that God has called me through the help of the power of the Holy Spirit to love my wife the way that Christ loves the church and listen to me. He has also blessed us with children so that we might, I mean, it's not about rules and regulations. Teenagers, I know all the time, you're like, oh my goodness, my parents and all their rules and all their rules. And here's what they'll say to you, and they say it very lovingly. Well, you know what? I'm paying the bills. I got rules. But more than just rules and regulations, right? So that my kids, when they see the relationship that they have with their earthly father, it will not push them away from the awe of being in a relationship with a heavenly father. But if anything, it will draw them to him so that they will be in awe and they will be in wonder of their heavenly father. And they'll understand what unconditional love is. So for you, you find this laying in the parking lot at the restaurant. You're like, oh, let's see if, it, let's see if we can run over it and flatten the thing. It's just a ring. But to me, it's more than just a ring. And so sitting on all that, here he is sitting here, and he is saying, right now, in front of you is a symbol, right? In a minute, we're going to take the Lord's Supper, and we're going to take this little oyster cracker. And that's all it is. It's an oyster cracker. We'll call it a wafer. It's an oyster cracker. We bought it at Target. And you're like, Target? I thought we were boycotting Target. I'm not boycotting Target. I boycott Target. Then I got to boycott ABC. Then I got to boycott ESPN. Then I got to boycott Wendy's. And then, oh, we bought it at Target. You're like, but they're bathrooms. They're bathrooms. They're male. They're female. I'm just saying, use the bathroom before you go to Target. Why do we buy them at Target? Because they're real little there and they'll fit into the cup. And so that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a cup. It's going to have an oyster cracker in it, not not a special oyster cracker. The reality is, if you get the bags that have been left over since the last Lord's Supper, it may even be stale. (laughs) And I've, uh, I've inquired of the Lord, if you were to get a stale cracker today, is that a symbol of where your spiritual life is? I don't know. Between you and the Lord. And then you'll get the juice. 
And we've really gone industrial today because the juice will be in a plastic cup as well. Yes, we used to. The deacons did. The deacons would set up. The deacons would get ready. We would use the, the real glasses, the real glasses. And they would go in. They would wash them. And we kept getting bigger and bigger and buying more and more glasses. And I was in the deacons meeting the day that someone said, do you think that we could start using plastic glasses? And then all of a sudden, a hush came over the crowd. And God poured out his spirit and revival broke out in that room. Praise be to Jesus, plastic glasses it is. And so you'll drink juice. Listen to me, it's just pure old great juice. Bought it at the same store, right? We, even, we won't even let them pour it out the night before just in case it ferments. And so it's, it's a wafer <laughs> and it's grape juice, but I hope it's so much more than that. Because all that I hope for you and all that I hope for me and all that I hope for my family and all that I hope for my life is wrapped up in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And my only hope for you today is this, that instead of you sitting there saying, you know what, uh, maybe I've gone too far, maybe I can't be in relationship, maybe I can't be forgiven, my hope is that you wouldn't run from, but instead you would run to. Because the blood says this, there is no sin with power more than the cross. The broken body says this, you do belong and are welcome to come to Christ. And I know a guy that gets terrified every time he comes in here and he sees this table down front and he's like, oh my goodness, they're having the Lord's Supper. They're having the communion. Because somewhere down the line, somebody preached a message from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that says, some of you took the Lord's Supper unworthily and you know what, are unworthy and now they sleep. And sleep is just the New Testament's nice way of saying they died. And so, and so he has in the back of his mind, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I've messed up, I've sinned in my life. There are things, man, I've had such a tough week, I've failed in this area this week, I've screwed up in this place this week, I've done this and I should have done this and why didn't I do that? And, and the crazy thing about that is the Lord's Supper is for the child of God who's had a rough week. But you know who I'm worried about? I'm not, I'm not worried about the guy that's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to handle the bread and the, and the juice. I'm not worried about that guy. Instead, I am worried about the guy touching the bread and touching the cup that just sees this as some empty ritual that you do today. What worries me is the folks that sit there and like, oh, well, here we go again. I know what's going to happen. I know how the show goes, and I'm going to do this because this is what's expected of me. And you lose, really lose the significance of what we are doing today. The significance of what this represents. For the life of me, I've never been able to figure out those folks who approach the Lord's Supper table and think, well, it's a pretty good snack. No! I don't know why you would even do it if it has no meaning for you. 
And so my hope for you today is that even though this very tradition is old, the fact that you belong and the fact that you have been forgiven and the fact that you can run towards and not away from Jesus with this fear of destruction, I pray that that would just overwhelm you because the bottom line is this, you're guilty. And I'm guilty. But Jesus... Well, you fill in the blank. And what happens is all of us think that our way is better and all of us say if people would just be like me and all of us are prone to wonder and all of us are in need of a Savior and it is not us versus those that may be on the outside. It is us. It is the reality for all of us. And so please hear me as we move to this time of the Lord's Supper table. I say this to the broken and I say this to the hurting. I say this this morning to the desperate and to the defeated. I say this today to the common and to the average and to the plain and to the small. I want you to know you matter to God. To the washed up and the worn out, to the helpless and to the hopeless, to the cast out, the dropouts, the last picks, and the hypocrites, to the unimpressed, and listen to me, the underwhelming, to the nobodies and the has-beens, to people just like me, you matter to God. Somebody hear this today. You are not defined by your worst days or your biggest mistakes. You're not the sum total of all your setbacks, your slip-ups, your failures, or your faults. Who you are is not determined by where you've been, what you've done, or what you have. Jesus declares you to be somebody. You matter to God. Maybe at some point, somebody came along... Maybe at some point, somebody came along and somebody said something to you that simply wasn't true. They told you that you are a nothing but unwanted, unworthy, and unloved. But I want the loudest voice in your ear today to be the voice that breaks the silence, to be the voice that cracks the cedars, shakes the wilderness, and here's what it says, you matter to me. Before the galaxies were ever even born, before the very first light ever even gave way before the ocean waves ever crashed before the night sky ever cracked with thunder before ever any creature ever crawled before any bird ever sang before the planets were even set into motion and God's plans were even started he set into motion the plan of your salvation from the highest heights of heaven the Lord of all creation looked down upon your desperation and hear me he became like one of us so that he might remake all of us he took an orphan and he says you're now my child he did it to make a rebel his friend to set the prisoner free friend you matter to God so listen to me I want to say this to all the sons and the daughters of God okay to my brothers and sisters in Christ behold his glory behold his power behold his majesty behold the one who matters the most behold king jesus the one who loves you hear me hear me 
the one, the one who loves you and the one who loves me and the one who will set you free. That's what we celebrate today. Healing is found in Christ. Forgiveness is found in Christ. Eternal life is found in Christ. Life is found in Christ. So quit trying to fix yourself. Quit believing the devil's lie that you're no good. Quit living a life that is defined by your failures. And instead, understand you are a child of the one true king, the Father. You're valuable to him. And so we're going to take it in just a little bit. But how in the world can we go to this table without you having the opportunity to receive what the table represents. He'll forgive even you. He'll cleanse even you. You're like, I'm, I'm the most unlikely candidate. I know, right? I go back to the story. I was raised in a family where I was abused. All throughout my adult life, I thought I was unlovable. I thought I was unworthy. I thought I had no hope but Jesus. But Jesus. Can I say, he wants to write that same line in your life. But Jesus. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. Uh, this is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. And we would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www.highland, and it's H-I-L-A-N-D, park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there, so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.